listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 129 of Cinemental. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Your mother sit here with his cars. Would you like to leave a message? I see that she gets it. It was as if there were four razors cutting at the same time. Kill her, Mommy! Kill her! We'll tear your soul apart! I've seen the exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast. We can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Ovicky, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Zan Godwin, and Latham Conger III. This is my personally favorite time of the year. Not only does the weather turn cool and wearing a sweatshirt becomes comfy again, but it's Halloween season. And that means we become scaramental, asking our guests for their horror film choices. And I hope this year is as entertaining for you listening as it will be for, well, at least some of our co-hosts' enjoyment. Our returning guest tonight. It's still <laughs> September. I just want to go. It's on Halloween record. season. Halloween season for me is year round, but for most oh. people, it kind of starts when spirit Halloween stores start popping up. <laughs> that would be now. That's but right. Capitalism screws us again. <laughs> so our returning guest tonight never fails to bring interesting films for, to bear for us. He's the CEO of Starlight Runner Entertainment and has the greatest job ever. Who knew? He's one of the world's leading experts in story and narrative design. He works with execs, creative visionaries, and global leaders to maximize the effectiveness of brand narratives, developing vast fictional story worlds and designing highly successful transmedia franchises for Hollywood studios, video game publishers, and toy companies. He has teamed with top creators on such blockbuster properties as Avatar, Halo, Pirates of the Caribbean, Men in Black, Transformers, and The Amazing Spider-Man. Most recently, he's become creative supervisor for the global transmedia revival of Super Eye Productions' Ultraman. Jeff Gomez, welcome back to Cinemental. Hey, how you doing? Very well. Thank Hello, you. Jeff. A pleasure, a pleasure to, to have you back, as always. You, uh, thank you. Your film choices are always uh, not only interesting, but usually entertaining. So, at least for, at least for, speaking for myself. Yeah. So, uh, so let's jump in and do a quick uh, suffering from consumption. Jeff, uh, you seen anything lately you like? Sure. Um, uh, uh, I, I talk about um, uh, new models of storytelling, uh, especially ones that have been on the rise uh, since streaming came to the fore, where it's not just that a, a story is serialized, um, but that the the world is truly fleshed out and, and we are able to move uh, from one character to the next and, and, and get a completely different perspective on, on the world and on the flaws in, in the systems of, of that world. So I've been loving um, Reservation Dogs. Okay. Uh, ah, the, uh, okay. Taika Waititi uh, Hulu uh, a series, which is uh, just absolutely wonderful. Uh, um, where you you think you're you're just following a, a set of kids in a native uh, you know an indigenous American reservation uh, in in the Midwest somewhere, uh, and and just going to go through their kind of trials and tribulations, uh, but little by little 
um, the, the characters who were just kind of floating at the periphery of early episodes where we get to spend time with them as the series goes on and, and see the, this world through their eyes. And it's, it's really both hilariously funny and very poignant and, and insightful about, uh, you know, about Indians and, and what, what they're going through today. Um, so I, I, I strongly recommend it. Cool. Uh, very entertaining. And, and on the complete opposite end, uh, <laughs> foundation, um, uh, where you, you just can see the boatloads of money. <laughs> a friend of mine's been watching it and said this exact, literally almost word for word, the exact same Macro. thing. Just colossal. Uh, a, a vulture called it the most expensive screensaver ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't think that little of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, it, you know, I mean, it's gorgeous. But um, but it's it's interesting how um, uh, these attempts to do these colossal stories. I also saw Dune, uh, the, the new uh, oh uh, Dune. They 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 suffer from the same um, uh, you know kind of challenge which is that these are kind of cold stories you know the the authors were 10 paces away from from any character and characterization and and so forth and, and was describing super colossal events and and great passages of time and and so forth and and trying to convey that in these narratives, like in Foundation, is really kind of tough. Uh, there's, there's just very little emotional resonance. They sure try, but it's, <laughs> it's uh, uh, not, not. Oh, that's good. that's a little um, disappointing. Well, Although, you see Dune? Your mileage may vary. What's that? How did you see Dune? I'm he's, in the Producers Guild, so he's I, an I insider. That. Yeah, I didn't know they. Okay, yeah, I didn't know they. Should even showed it there yet okay sure. cool. yeah yeah um uh, uh, gorgeous and and if you're gonna see it try to catch that imax because it is you know astounding to look at and the way they handle sound in the atmos uh, kind of situation is you know uh, uh, absolutely terrific nice uh, nice uh, without without giving anything away mm-hmm. um do you <laughs> think that villeneuve is going to get his sequel from what you saw not a chance in hell wow <laughs> wow you heard it here first folks <laughs> holy shit <laughs> no. ouch no. Uh, um it, it's it and it's not because it's a bad film it, yeah, it's no, just it's, a, a film it's that it's just not compelling enough uh, uh, to to get audiences to want to see it again and again and 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 so forth. There's there there are no smiles in Dune. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, there's no smiles in all six books. There's, there's no then, smiles then, on Arrakis. That's what I, I no want. That shirt. In, <laughs> yeah, there's no smiles in all six books, and then the author died before completing the seventh one and uh, and then his son and uh kevin j anderson took over and there there's it you know and, and it shows let's just let's just keep it friendly <laughs> it shows that there is a completely different author 
Um, <laughs> you know, when you you have to be skilled to write grimness, you know, in a in a in a rather compelling manner, yeah, and to keep the, people come you know, to keep people coming yeah. back for it. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, more, more deaths, more destruction. Like, oh, I'm, I'm okay. here for it. <laughs> if you're a fan of Zendaya, um, uh, don't go into the movie thinking that that you're going to see her. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, I am not. With <laughs> without without any without again without elaboration, I know that story so well that there's there's only one plausible break in that story where they could break it into two movies or to three movies and there's no way that there's a lot of certain characters in the of film course. Right? Well, yeah. you're, you're you know if, they, if you're gonna break it so you're correct and and know, it, they did break it at a smart uh, point but it, it's it's still you know it, it, it's smart but it's not compelling enough um, uh, just with regard to what you want to have happen next and, and so forth, you know, exquisite oh, good adaptation. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's, that's all I want. It's, yeah. not, it's not easy to do. It's, it's not. Yeah. It, it's not like he made bad choices. It, it's just that it's tough. And, and they should, he, they, he's French. Oh. <laughs> he's Canadian, isn't he? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Same thing. Quebecois. Same thing. <laughs> they should they should they should make it a television show. Jeff, you know, how long can... was it? That's right. It was almost three hours long. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um and 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 a, a brisk three hours. I, I it wasn't that it was uh, boring at all. He doesn't make boring movies like no, visually right. or whatever. It doesn't, you know, it's that just that boring. Well, is what? Enemy was boring. Ooh. No. Right. It's all that great ending, but the great ending didn't save that boring movie. Okay. <laughs> I stand corrected then. Apparently, he's made one boring movie. <laughs> he made another one too, but I can't remember what it was. Oh. It was that boring. It was, it was, it was, it was so boring, boring, I forgot it was, what it was. was. that boring. He forgot. Probably someone would win Zendaya. Where's the day? Where the fuck she is? Be nice. I like. Uh, He's not gonna be nice. Yeah, you no. can't do that. Not, <laughs> wheelhouse. Wheelhouse. <laughs> Hold on one second before. Um, I did forget a uh, a show I watched because it was written here, but it's in one word. But it's like, a, but it's uh, it was a BBC call show called Vigil. Okay. It actually, Vigil? was Vigil. Uh, Vigil. It was pretty oh. good. It was pretty weird. It's very, it's it's very. It was very television. It wasn't you know one of these compelling like oh my god. But I mean it was pretty good. It was about a a murder that took place on a submarine, in the British submarine, and they had to send a, a cop onto the boat to uh, investigate the murder. And it just it it snowballs from there. It was really good. Okay, I enjoyed it. Cool. But that's a, and that's six episodes. So that's that's a, that's another where another six hours of my time went. Modern uh, modern time, current time. Yeah, yeah. just okay. just uh, just a couple of months ago. Meaning no, I mean like it takes place setting. in current time. Oh, it takes place. Yeah. Um, okay. The the main plot is about the people trying to to. Uh, no, well, I don't want to tell you that. Okay. Because <laughs> that 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 it that kind of gives away story. how how yeah how far it snowballs but it's okay. it's uh i, I love good. a good i love a good submarine you know story yeah. i i go back to voyage to the bottom of the sea which wow there you go i, I think only steve uh, uh recognizes that one 
<laughs> I, uh, I listen, I, I was telling these guys, I think uh, it was last year sometime. I finally saw the movie Run Silent, Run Deep. And oh, I was absolutely blown away great film. by the the ability storytelling wise. I mean, you're eight minutes into the movie and you know every single character yep. and everything is set up and in place and running. And you're like, because the movie's like less than it's less than 90 minutes. It's like 87 minutes or something like that. But it's in eight minutes. They've established everything and you know everybody and know everything. And it was just like, that's amazing the, to me. The tension is palpable. Yeah, it's a great, it was great, really, really fun movie to watch. Um, I mean, for the first time for me. They used to know how to tell stories back then. Yeah, once upon a time. Some, a, somewhat effortlessly, almost. Or they made it seem effortless. Yeah, because you didn't know how hard it was. Until <laughs> <laughs> you tried it. Yeah. Um, anything else, Jeff? I, I vouch. Uh, those are the, the the main. Okay, uh, so like, that was that was enough. <laughs> yeah. I've seen enough. <laughs> I don't have Hassan's kind of time. That's right. Oh <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, no no the the person with the real time is coming up. Well no I went uh, I went back to uh, working on my kitchen this week so uh, I was I didn't have as many as many days to spend on the couch while languishing in front of the television. But I did manage to watch a couple of movies. I watched a movie uh, last night called The Conspiracy. It's on Shudder. It's about two guys making a documentary film about conspiracy theorists. And have you seen it? No, I heard about it. Okay. And they discover they stumble upon a secret society that exists now and things go awry, but it's got, it's, it's got what appears to be a really good ending. And then the ultimate ending is just kind of a little soft. Yeah. (laughs) They, 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 they go really hard at it. And then in the last like two minutes, they like, no, well, actually, it fizzles is, out. Yeah, they kind of pull back a little bit. Mm. It's like, really? Come on. Uh, um, the problem is, all new conspiracy movies are ruined by all the morons who actually believe in conspiracy. <laughs> and that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, today I watched uh, the Britney versus Spears documentary on Netflix. Ah. Uh. Which is How all was about uh, her, uh, her trying to yeah. dissolve her conservatorship. So, well, that's not about her yelling at herself in a mirror. No, it's not. That okay. kind that of resolved itself today, or sort of. Yeah, I mean, it, what it, I mean, yeah. There's been a few things that have happened in the last week or so that kind of really put a coda on the whole thing. But it was funny because both Hulu and Netflix this week premiered documentaries about this very subject, which is usually yeah. the case. Interesting that they both went to press or went to release before it was really ultimately finalized. <laughs> but you know, they should just do this. They they just do the Trump thing and declare victory. Yeah, it's because of our documentary is that we got Britney out of her conservatorship. And yeah, yes, really, <laughs> really, it's about uh, her fans who who um, launched these campaigns, who read into what the situation was. Um, and, uh, yeah. and it evoked the first documentary in the first place, the, the, um, uh, that relationship, uh, that's what I find interesting. The meta relationship between celebrity fandom and 
how the fans ultimately, in a way, liberated her. Um, uh, what was that klaxon? I, I think that's, uh, that was a motorcycle. It sounds, like a, street from the- it sounds like a foghorn. Hey, uh, Hassan, turn off that vigil movie. I think that sucks. Uh, <laughs> I'm running into some trouble with their sonar. Uh, yeah. uh, well so done. well done <laughs> so beyond those two uh i watched the new mike flanagan uh horror miniseries midnight mass please stop right now do not say another word about it i do not want to hear anything about oh, it i, I, I need to know whether it was any good movie, so how did it end the movie <laughs> Is it any good what happened at the end fun? what happened at the can end? i can i tell jeff my thoughts on its quality latham go ahead uh, I will tell you this. Uh, it is not my favorite of his series. Mm. It is by far and away the most densely and well-written one. Oh, wow. Cool. I will. I'll give you that in seven episodes. But uh, that's as far as I'll go. Yeah. Latham, you need to. You need, you're okay. Like always three PO. Yeah, it's always three PO. Um, it's always C three PO. Watch, watch that soon, like because I would actually, I'm actually really curious to see your take on it. I've been told it's going to be one of my favorite things ever. So wow, oh, man. oh interesting. Way to manage your expectations there. Do you watch the whole thing? Yeah, it's only seven episodes. <laughs> what seven hours? It was a night and a half. Uh, would take me off. That's like that's like two and a half weeks worth of watching for like no, seven hours. Like two and a half yeah. So then I I finished watching my my rewatch of NCIS. I finished watching season eleven and began season twelve. Uh, we finished season two and started season three of DCI Banks, the uh, the British detective show. Uh, we watched both seasons. Now the ep- there's six or eight episodes in a season, but the episodes are only like 15 minutes long, so it's not difficult to burn through literally both seasons in one night of this show that Darren was talking about a few weeks ago called "I Think You Should Leave." Yeah, <laughs> Jeff, have you seen this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It has got. I I don't. It, there aren't even coherent words to describe what this show is actually like. It is, it's like, imagine if they put on a sketch comedy show that was a combination of two thirds, like each sketch is like two thirds of a joke. And they either don't give you the setup or they don't give you the punchline. That's about my experience of the show, and uh, I I had to bail. <laughs> oh my god, I I I, we, I was I was absolutely entranced by how ridiculous most of this was, there you go. and based solely on Tim Robinson. I mean, if anyone else, I don't would have a hard time selling this show, but just the way he comes across in general, it is one of the weirdest shows I've ever seen. But Darren's a hundred percent correct when you start to go back and think about some of the sketches and think about some of the stuff that's in it, it gets ridiculously funny. It's just, it's when you're watching it, you're just like, what? Like literally every four minutes you're going, what? It's, it's, it's the most, it's the most, one of the strangest viewing experiences I've ever had watching something that pretends to be comedy. 
So, <laughs> and then I watched a new Netflix special that uh, just dropped, I don't know, a day or two ago, uh, hosted by Rob Lowe called Attack of the Hollywood Cliches, where he basically just hosts a clip show uh, talking about all the tropes in movies today. And he runs the gamut of action, horror, comedies, dramas, romance movies, whatever. Uh, just, just, just film tropes. It's, it's kind of amusing. You know, it's Rob Lowe being silly. And don't you watch that stuff on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, the, you know, somebody could very well do it there too. Yeah, they could have dropped it. I either, usually do. Yeah, I could have dropped in either place, honestly. Um, but yeah, so that was uh, that was my week. So I ah, guess it's a short week. I guess we've suffered enough. Yeah. Well, I was, you know, still I gotta, you know, yeah, you're work, working, still working. So uh, that's enough suffering for us. Yeah, that's one fourth of last week's suffering. It really was. Uh, so for uh, just follow up, Phil. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, just real, just a real quick poll. Uh, Latham Hassan, had either of you seen this before? No. Okay. Uh, no, we have not. Okay. So uh, Jeff's follow up film to uh, to uh, The Exorcist is Mandy. Two thousand eighteen by director Panos Cosmatos, with a running time of one hundred and twenty-one minutes. A young couple living in the woods are attacked by a Manson-esque cult and a bizarre biker gang. Bad things happen, and Nicolas Cage is forced into a drug-fueled revenge fantasy that breaks new ground in startling visual ways. Jeff, why did you pick Mandy? <laughs> I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> I'm waiting to hear the answer to this. <laughs> um. You know, the, um, the, the way that The Exorcist impacted me um, in, in terms of, of how internal it was and, and how the, the horrors uh, uh, felt like the, the paranoia of The Exorcist is, is there something inside me? <laughs> you know, um, uh, is there something whispering into my ear? What's wrong with my child? The, you know, these deep inner um, uh, kinds of paranoias. Uh, uh, and fears the Mandy is is about the to me about the external it's about the cosmic um, it, it's about the fact that uh, we, we we were innocent um, and and perhaps a little too naive as we 
uh, uh, you know, tottered down the path toward the apocalypse. This movie came out in 2018, uh, and it, it really is is a kind of apocalyptic tract. Um, it it, um, it it actually is to to me. It's saying that that our our belief systems, which which had been corrupted, you know, the the villain in in this movie essentially pretends he's Christ, but but is deeply corrupted, and, and um, you know, and there's no real uh, solution except to go back further in the story. Nicolas Cage is in love with this kind of earthy woman, uh, almost like an earth goddess. And he identifies himself early on as Galactus, as the eater of of worlds, which is, these are both references to Gaia and Kronos, in in effect, to pagan or pre-Christian pantheons. And, And to me, this is about that clash, the clash between a, a contemporary and, and deeply corrupted beliefs and the old world um, and in fantastic, almost 80s colors. It's set in the 80s, you know, the Reagan era. Uh, you, you have these, these forces that are hurling themselves against each other in, in the most spectacular of ways. And the, the grief that emerges from, from Cage's character it, it, I, I agree, guys. It would be hilarious, except for the authenticity of Cage's response to to the trauma and, and to the terrible things that that happened to his his wife and himself. Uh, and, and and so you you literally have, you know, this this ancient deific being <laughs> um, uh, clashing with the four horsemen of, of the apocalypse <laughs> in chainsaw battles. And you have this, this assertion that, uh, you know, there are, there are deep and corrupted wrongs to, to be righted. Um, and, and that doing so is going to be painful uh, for us all. And and it was just uh, the 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 authenticity of that and the spectacle uh, of it uh, is is really kind of fascinating to me, particularly because it anticipated t- these titanic clashes that are going on in our our contemporary culture. Maybe I'm ascribing too much, but I don't know. I don't know. If you look closely, there's lots of signs and symbols in the film. And if you look at, at um, the director's body of work, there, there's, you know, he does think about these things. There, there are these layers of, of mythic meaning that he puts into the film. Yeah, I mean, this movie's only three years old, and I can remember my reaction to this movie, seeing it when it, when it was first released onto, on a VOD, because uh, I was very much looking forward to this. This was one of, this is one of, um, this movie was produced by, uh, a number of different groups, but the main group that came on board to really that got the pedal to the to the floor and got it moving was a, a production company called Spectre Vision, and that is Elijah Woods' production company that he has with a couple of friends of his, and they have been doing a number of horror films because Elijah Wood is a big horror fan. I mean, he was he starred and produced a remake of of the joe spinell classic maniac that was that was 
shockingly good. And he was, he was unbelievably frightening in it because as you know, as you know, when you think of Frodo as suddenly as this horrific killer, it's a, it's a very strange thing, but I remember watching this movie. uh, We watched on either Friday or Saturday night when it, when it was first came out and uh, I loved it. Uh, I thought this, this movie was like, you know, it, it, I felt like in that first hour you're, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, where are you? You know, and I'm, listen, I, I have watched plenty of slow burn horror films to know that, I can live with the slow buildup with the really slow buildup. You know, I've, I've seen plenty of films that, that fall into that, into that category. And this one uh, is no different. The lead up into this movie, you know, essentially, and it's almost at the exact hour mark uh, is where this thing turns a corner and becomes an entirely different animal. You could have been watching the whole first half of this movie and just been like, Oh my God, that was an absolutely horrific story. And then it's like, here's chapter two. And it's, it's a whole different animal. Uh, It's I found it super interesting that the title card to the movie, even though they run all the credits at the beginning, the title card plays at uh, what is an hour and 15 minutes into the film that's when the that's when they drop the title card in really strange yeah i i don't know the i'd be really interested to hear the to the story behind why that is i i couldn't find anything out about that well it's lots of title cards throughout i mean yeah like chapter um headings yeah it's almost like right. it, it's like book chapters is what i took it as but what 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 ones were there besides the like shadow the, the shadow children. mountains one well, yeah, those the two at the where they introduced the, the two groups, the the, the yeah. location and the group, but then after that, what would what did they have? Like one was the no, I, I'm saying those. I, I'm just saying that there it wasn't just that alone in the middle of the movie. There were there was precedent before that. Okay, uh, Hassan, what did you uh, what did you think of Mandy? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, Tell us why. It's weird. I it, it's weird because I didn't like it because of what happens in it, but not because of the movie itself. It's just it's just like wow, it's just really horrific thing happens to two people who weren't looking for trouble. And regardless of what the 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 lengths that Nicolas Cage goes to in the second half of the movie to exact his revenge and look the movie worked in 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 various ways because i was all for it i was all for the killing by the time you know he got around to starting to kill people so it wasn't like i was watching this this, this is gratuitous stupidity but you know it was uh but i it just it's, it's just like wow like these like linus roche is just the most despicable shit that you've ever come across in a movie, you know, and I actually like that actor, you know, I've liked him in everything I've seen him in, except for this. And, you know, like the God complex and the and the long monologuing and the, you know, and the self-righteousness or whatever. And he gets unhinged and murders a woman and burns her to death because she laughs at him because he was trying to spook her with his LSD driven penis. And it was just, it's, you know, um, LSD penis. LSD penis. (laughs) 
I did I, the 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 actual criticism I'll give the movies. I didn't think it needed to be as long as it was, personally. And there there's a lot of staring. There's a there's a lot of slow <laughs> turning of the heads and staring. And so I mean I know it's a very stylized movie, and that's an understanding. You know, I don't know about I don't know how I feel about the chromatic aberration. You know the 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 purple the purple orange red blue spectrum that it kept skewing into mm-hmm. because that was I think that was affecting um, my my mood because <laughs> I'm very color sensitive. I'm like wow this is this is a lot and you're and we're staying with this <laughs> for solid fifteen minute chunks. Okay, and it's you know it's very graphically violent. And you, like I said, you are ready for it by the time it starts to happen because these people are, you know, just completely, you know, wreck this guy's world, his universe. And he obviously seemed like it was a, it was a form of salvation for him. And they just, you know, they stole it from him. And so they, they really needed to go, but I didn't know what to make of it. Like, I'm curious to hear everyone's impression of it so that I can, develop an impression of my own because it's like a really gory really stylized revenge story very 70s it felt very 70s to me like you know like like the world just came for these two people and then these people just you know Mm -hmm. they they rose up and overcame it you know as i spit on your grave and all these other uh stories except without the graphic uh sexual assaults and and whatnot which you know thankfully and you know, I, I know there's a point to it. I just although you did get the guy with knife penis who apparently had just got done screwing the old man who owned that house. It hit on a lot of things. Uh, just, just to to address <laughs> just to address a, a, a point that Hassan made. If you look closely, there are you know there are seeds of of everything that that are explanatory and do set up and and there's a cosmology to what's what's going on they they were not innocent people they were hiding um uh strangely hiding in a a glass box Uh, every ass window every wall of their home was like a a window yeah it kind of freaked Uh, me out actually making them you know essentially earth people uh, uh, she had been traumatized by an abusive father. Um, uh, you know, re- remember he makes her witness. Yeah, she told that. Birds. Um, he was an alcoholic um, uh, who who hunted animals. Um, uh, he's a uh, you know like a vegan now. Uh, he renounced the the, the hunting uh, thing and and stopped drinking and and so forth. Uh, you yeah. know, bad things had happened to them. Uh, uh, b- before uh, they were trying to get away and, and bad things, you know, found them again. Um, right. You know, there, there's, there is a setup to the, uh, uh, the, the, the various belief systems that are, that are there and what it is that he has to do. He, he, he actually goes back to his old life in, in order to retrieve the items that he'll need to exact this, uh, this revenge. So this movie is actually a prequel to John Wick. <laughs> Interesting. It's it's the woodsy version of John Wick. I mean, look, I I don't know. I, I it's fine that it, it's I, not I, your I, cup of tea. I just feel it's worthy of of, of deeper scrutiny because 
so much thought was put into each aspect of, of its world. Yeah, I just found so much of it hard to 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 watch. Um, and I'm not talking about the violence. Um, the violence and, and whatever was some of the more straightforward stuff that happened in the film. But just, you know, like that, that, you know, purple malaise on everything was really, you know, I guess triggering. It was really irritating um, to my <laughs> eyes. And the, and the soundtrack that the soundtrack that's not a soundtrack, the soundtrack that sounds and not a soundtrack to me. Um, there's certain things that like, this is, this is a, this is, this is, this is a little too esoteric. You know, mm-hmm. for for me to be able to to uh, to follow, it's very nonlinear. Um, I usually don't have a problem with. I don't really have a problem with the film. It's just that you know, I'm like, wow, this is this is a lot. I I do think I would have felt better about the film if it was a little shorter, because like two solid hours of well, which so much of it is so you know, so much of it is um, it's the exact opposite of the the Exorcist. As I say, um, the stuff that they didn't say in The Exorcist really exalted the things that they did say, and it made it made everything that they did have to me have feel like it had more meaning to it, even though there wasn't really much to it. And this is the opposite. It's like there's so little said, and there's so little ex- ex- expanded upon that it's just it just doesn't it doesn't offer me it didn't offer me anything you know, to, to any, any kind of mythology or, uh, you know, uh, uh, psychology to, to be able to latch on to. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was that. I mean, I, I didn't hate it. I started to hate it, <laughs> but then it, it got, it, it got jumped up, you know, into, into, you know, but I'm, I, the gore and whatever, I mean, it can, that can salvage things sometimes, but that's not, I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm starting to find that, that even that's not really my thing anymore either, um, which is terrifying to me because I don't know what I'm becoming. If I don't like the, I don't like blood and guts and, and <laughs> violence. I don't know what's happening to me. It, it, it means you're, you're becoming an adult. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Took me long enough. I guess I'm never going to be an adult. Yeah. <laughs> He's like more blood, more blood. You know, like um, the 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 sequence where they get they go up to the van, they they go to call the cannibal bikers from hell, and they blow a conch or whatever. The horn of Abraxas, you mean? <laughs> yes, and then they they blow it again. I don't know. I wasn't, you know, uh, they blow it again, and then these guys come out of nowhere and it gives them a jar of what is that rendered blood um for him to drink it and it and i'm like all right this is this is getting supernatural but it's you know it's just to me i'm like for me the pieces didn't fit together for all the the absurdity to sometimes you watch like like say uh mad max uh fury road which is not in this league by by any stretch you'd imagine. Not not stylized at all like this. But I'm just saying, the the absurdity of that film is kind of it kind of justifies itself. It kind of wins you over. But like, no, nah, well, you know, sometimes I guess you live in a world like that, you'd be lowered onto a car from a pole from another car. You know, like it. There's there's a there's a certain there's a certain symmetry or logic to the to how absurd it it allows itself to get. And this just to me felt like it was being absurd for the sake of absurdity 
and then violence for the sake of violence. I don't want to, I really don't want to trash it. That's not my intention. Right. It just didn't, it didn't move me too deeply. I do need to hear what everybody else thinks of it so that I can, so that I Jeff, can formulate my own thoughts. I'm sorry. I went first actually. That's okay. Jeff, Jeff, have you, Jeff, have you seen the color out of space? The, of the Richard Stanley. Do you think that that is a good pairing for this movie? It, it is actually, um, as is uh, uh, the director's uh, uh, previous film, The Void. Um, you know, there, there are, I think that, that there are a number of, of Lovecraftian um, uh, references. The, the, yeah. the opening song of, of Mandy is uh, King Crimson's Starless, um, right. which describes this, this void. And of course, the uh, allusions to cosmic horror uh, even beyond the Judeo-Christian uh, uh, struggle, um, a start with with references to Jupiter and and end with uh, uh, you know Nicolas Cage on on the road where where the planets seem to be you know way too close to the Earth. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> you know uh, because we're in another dimension. We're we're not we're not in uh, uh, the world. You know something's happened that's shifted everything and um uh you know that was unsettling then and it's nightmarish now <laughs> uh, you know i i relate it I, i'm a believer that that some films can be prescient we talked last time i was around about um uh you know fight club and and how it, it was you know it was ruminating about something really big that was about to to change and and I feel that uh, that Mandy somehow taps into that kind of uh, a, a cosmic intuition uh, about the world. Right on. You haven't uh, heard from Latham. Yeah, Latham. <laughs> Your turn. Uh, well, when this movie starts, felt like three different things. It felt like uh, Stranger Things to me, like an like a foreboding R-rated Stranger Things about to happen. Uh, I also felt like the director was, you know, I it was very slow to start, but he was deliberate with everything he shot and everything he focused on and all these long stares and, and the colors he used. So I may not agree with it, kind of like what Hassan said, but at least he knew what he wanted to portray and show. It felt at times he was trying to like portray one of those books that she was reading, like like a, a film version of that. And then it felt like I, I it almost felt like like a, a nature version of Blade Runner at the beginning. I don't know why. I just got this <laughs> this vibe that that that's where we were heading. And then then it felt like a little bit like the Tree of Life, but a but a more entertaining version of that because I'm not a huge fan of that movie. So it, it was all these different things, but at least it was deliberate and trying to, you know, this guy, obviously I didn't see his other film yet. So I was, you know, this, he had, a, he had a distinct style and he was putting it forth. And I like that. A lot of the first hour of the movie are real simple shots. I mean, this movie's budget was small, right? It was like about 6 million. It felt like, he had this simple idea and he's like, oh, I, I, I can do all these simple shots at the beginning and we'll, we'll just color them or make them 
you know, look, you know, real visually special by way of editing later or how we shoot them. But they're really simple. They're basic. Nothing's going to cost anything. Then we're going to put all our money into the second half of the movie. And that's cool. But it seemed very obvious to me that that's what the plan was. And like Hassan, the coloring, I don't know. It, I get it, but it did. I didn't take to it as as well as maybe the director wanted people to take to it. Um, so, uh, what did I write here? Um, oh, okay. So the big problem, the the problem I have with the film is I don't, and it's a problem I have with a lot of films. I never think. Cult leaders or cults are are good villains because yeah. they're. It, it, yeah, I think Hassan I couldn't get away from that either. I don't Kill like them watching all. them be awful, or I don't find that particularly interesting, or a good character development, or a plot device to move their evil forward. I I, I find cults and cult leaders just by my own um perception of of who they are and what they do i find them to be boring and easily dispelled like obviously if you got the these crazy fucking biker dudes you know on your side that's one thing but i i just don't they don't make good villains and as soon as we got more into what the awful things they were doing that's where it kind of lost me and then of course you know some of the stuff in the second half of the movie, I think it's creative. Some of the violence, all that, that's, I have no problem with that. I just, once you've lost me with the main villain, I'm not in anymore on the, on the film and pretty much right in the middle is where, is where it started to lose me. And then when it changed gears and became a different animal, I just, I, I, you know, it was, it was fine to watch. It was, you know, revenge is hard to not enjoy when you know someone <laughs> is deserved of it. Uh, it's almost impossible to not like that, right? Uh, as as the motion, but he's a scenery chewer. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, right, you know. and then you're wondering how he's going to do it, whatever. So that's fine. I just didn't. Uh, when it was all said and done, I, I just I I didn't. I didn't feel much when it was over. And the last thing I'll say too is I just, obviously I know where the title of the film comes from, but I don't, I think the title of the film hurts this film. I don't, (laughs) I don't think it helps it as far as marketing it or, you know, when it just, you could have done a better job. You could have done a better job there. And uh, I didn't, I don't know. That's my last thought on it. I don't think it helped. I don't think it helped the film. And I would never have watched it if Jeff didn't recommend it because I know I would have looked at that title and been like, Mandy, you know, I don't fucking, I don't, I'm not even going to look at what this. Are you not going to watch Carrie? (laughs) Uh, Probably not. If I didn't, unless I had found the, found out the the story behind it or knew who had wrote it or whatever. So. I don't know. This it's not a bad film, but uh, I, I, again, if I might uh, address things here, um, <laughs> uh, as a villain, you know, and I, I can agree how uh, annoying he is because he's such a prick. 
Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, without a doubt, but think about um, uh, the fact that this picture was made, you, you know, um, in, in, in 2015, 2016, and and the level of of narcissism in this uh, in this character, he he actually says, "I was a musician once. I was like the Carpenters, but better." <laughs> <laughs> um, he he leverages Jesus. Uh, you must be absolutely loyal uh, to him, or you might as well be dead. Um, and and if you mock him. Uh, you'll burn, yeah. You know, and even if you're loyal, he'll he'll hand you over to a whole bunch of cannibals for uh, <laughs> an exchange. That's right. You know? Yes, yes, and and uh, and yes, you 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 carried forward my metaphor. <laughs> <That's on. laughs> I'm sorry. There, there are there are um you know we the the, the there are characters who were in the political <laughs> and social media landscape. Who were a lot like that. Uh, uh, some of whom managed to 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 do some damage. We don't have to like him, but he's you know that's an icon that galvanized as 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 villains go. You know our our psyche as as a nation, and I'm not just talking about Donald Trump. I'm I'm talking about a lot of uh, of figures who uh, have this kind of weird overblown you know, persona that asserts itself on you, that becomes obsessed with you and, and then uh, winds up destroying what it's uh, obsessed over, you know? Yeah. And, and the other point I wanted to make was, was just with regard to the value of the, the picture, the, uh, uh, this was one of, this was a turning point I thought for Cage who had been doing some, some subpar work. I, I thought he was, you know, kind of sleepwalking through through his pictures as a, a you know, an over a motor, as someone who is chewing scenery and, and so forth. I really thought that that um, uh, his depictions, his adoration of Mandy, and the anguish that he feels have a a kind of authenticity to it. It's uncomfortable to watch, uh, uh, but it, it felt real, and um, and 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 that passion that drives the second half of the film is earned uh, in the bathroom scene with the tiger t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I would love to know. I was thinking about that. I would love to know how many takes they did of that, because I mean, that just seems like that would be. Could not have been easy. Yeah. To have to redo that multiple times. <laughs> I'm hoping they got that one pretty quick. Cause I was watching that. I noticed when he walked into the bathroom and I'm like, the way it was shot and framed so specifically, I'm like, this is going to be a single take scene and they're not going to move the camera except maybe a, a little a little push in and pull out. And it's exactly what happened. And it was, I don't know, two or three minutes long, but it was just like and it's like and then I started watching it because maybe they're going to have him go through like all the stages of grief in one in one sort of like three or four minute long sequence, but he doesn't really get that far. He only gets like two of them and then he's out the door. <laughs> I thought it was an awesome scene. Nicholas Cage was originally approached uh, by Cosmatos to play the cult leader wow. uh, initially. And, and Cage read the script and he's like, I really want to be the husband. I want to be red. Mm -hmm. And Cosmatos was like, 
no, that's, I don't see it. That's, that's not where I have you, you know, and, and they, and they kind of parted ways without coming to any sort of agreement. A year later, after SpectraVision had come on board and they had had discussions with Cosmatos about the story, a lot of the core themes had started to shift in the, in the main story. And at that time, once they brought him back around, Cosmatos was like, you can be read. We, we still want you for this. You can be read. I totally get it now. So it's, it's, I would love to know, you know, the, some of that stuff, the changes that were made. Sure. That, you know, in their line of thinking that suddenly got him on board with that, that major kind of uh, uh, change for that. Um, the one thing I did notice and, and, and Latham, you can tell me if I'm crazy, but there was a couple of takes or a couple of points, this movie that felt very Lynchian. Oh yeah, I mean, for the, sure. when they first, especially yeah, especially like when they like go to put her up for, and they put, go to light her on fire, and it's kind of like almost like not quite half speed, and they have the one shot of the guy holding the pole with that she's attached to, and he's like licking his teeth, and I'm just all I could think of, and then they pan around to each one of the, like the members of the group, and all I could think yeah. of like is like straight out of like a David Lynch film of like showing all these oh, yeah. crazy yeah. visages, you know, he's definitely influenced um, by Lynch. You yeah. can and then I've got two words for you. Stuff. That's Cheddar Goblin. <laughs> <laughs> they break in the middle of all this and he watches a commercial on TV for Cheddar Goblin macaroni and cheese. <laughs> And this became like when this movie was came out, the Cheddar Goblin became like a huge like online like meme. And like there was they, people were dropping the Cheddar Goblin in everywhere. <laughs> it's just so crazy. And and, and those, the, the two or three spots where suddenly it becomes animated, like for real brief sequences, <laughs> you know, it's just all I mean. Uh, the first thing I wrote when I when I started rewatching this is I go, this movie is a visualist's wet dream. I'm like, there's so much like hyper stylization with like everything he does. Everything he does is visual. It's like, you know, like Hassan said, like it's it's almost the reverse of The Exorcist in the way that The Exorcist is all about giving you everything and telling you everything. And this is all about showing you everything. And like, the, how can I make all the things that you might see normally look different or appear differently to you. It's just, I, I just thought this was a really, I'm always really amazed by, uh, by directors who, who have a really cool visual take on stuff. So that always stands out more to me, even more so than story necessarily in, in a film like this, whereas I'll be, I'll be wowed by the visuals of it. And it might not be until I've seen it two or three times that I realize what a poor film it is. But just because visually I'm so kind of blown away initially by what by what he's showing me, you know, it's and it's, you know, I suppose it's cinematic trickery. And, I, you know, if it and if it works once, great, you know, and if, it, and if it involves a, you know, a situation where you have to go back two or three times to realize that you've been hoodwinked, then. <laughs> you know i i i still you still almost have to give him a little credit yeah you got to chalk it up to a win for them that that he's been successful at you know at at hiding a mediocre story behind something that was just visually really really filling well no no film is required to have a very good story 
if he's deliberate and just wants to be tell this visual tale that has a very light framework, that's fine. And he, he is deliberate here. Right. Uh, well, I mean, he's his style. You know, he doesn't he keeps it slow to start and he he doesn't speed it up until he wants to. So, you, yeah, you do have to give him credit for that. I mean, it's his he's made two films and apparently they're both very distinct. So that's important. Yeah, I mean, I would I would put this film visually up against like Enter the Void by uh, Gaspar Noé. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> pretty close. Yeah, Enter the Void's got some wow shots in it. So this does too. Yeah, I do, I'd agree. That reminds me too, the girl who plays Mandy. Andrea Risebro. Yeah, she she was in one of my favorite episodes of Black Mirror. Oh, and, okay. Uh, that's why I didn't know where I'd seen her before. And I looked it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's where I know her. Oh, okay. It's yeah, when I first a, saw this, I did not recognize her at all. It's not a yeah. Sentimentals episode unless Latham gets to say Black Mirror at least once. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a true episode. <laughs> Actually, I watched Black Mirror, so I I'm not mocking it. I I think it's I think it's phenomenal. But um, you got to get that dig in. You know, yeah. you watch thirty hours of TV, but you don't watch a goddamn episode of Black Mirror. You know, so I don't. You know, I don't. I, I don't know. I'm just getting that in there. Uh, the the meaning of the Cheddar Goblin. Ah. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> is that the universe doesn't give a shit? about your grief um, yeah. <laughs> I love it I love it, um, it, I love it. he's a part of the cosmology I'm telling you it, it, That's great. I, I, if, if I had a solo session uh, and an hour to talk about every piece of the, the cosmos of Mandy it does all fit together and it, it works but that's that's one. Remember when the Cheddar Goblin appears, he's just uh, reeling from witnessing this uh, horrific murder. Yeah, he literally walks in the house and that's on. Yeah, and that's on. Yes. And and it's funny. Um, and, and it, it harkens <laughs> to the 80s because the 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 armature is uh, is, is like, you know, yeah. um, uh, not not um, uh, not one of the better movies <laughs> like, the, you know. The ghoulies or, or something. Oh my like. god, I was literally just thinking ghoulies. ghoulies. That's exactly yeah. what it looks like. <laughs> yes. Um uh you know, and and it's it's insanely funny. Yeah. Um, vomiting mac and cheese on children. That, that, you know, you know, life life doesn't give a shit about you. It's it's, it's just it doesn't care about your pain. Uh, it's just gonna move on, and, and you know, and so he's got to handle it himself. You know, he's yeah. It, there's no one, no and one's so, coming to save him, and so he does. <laughs> he does indeed. Uh, well, I think that that uh, will wrap up Mandy. So, so two yeses and two noes. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say no. I'm glad I watched it. I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, look, I don't, I don't write its I, name. <laughs> yeah, it's not a this. We we do not. We are not suffering a. Uh, uh, not salon. I saw that we're not. Yeah, we're not <laughs> suffering a salon. You know, we're not. This is not a. It's not. A, I saw the devil situation. Um, it's uh it's it's just out there. I I can't I can't dissect it. I can't pull it to pieces. Um, because there's nothing really wrong with it. It's just not 
It's not for it's you. Not how I get it. Yeah, it's not how I dig into things. It's not how I roll. Yeah. At, at, at the true. very least, it's it's nice that it's there because it's it's pretty unusual. <laughs> I, I like the fact that that Elijah Wood is making you know unusual movies. Yeah. Um, oh, it's unusual. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> and I'll, honestly, I will recommend anyone who who even likes this movie a little bit uh, see uh, the the color out of space uh the richard stanley uh remake of the hp lovecraft story it's it's i think one of the most successful lovecraft adaptations ever done that i've ever seen that's actually a rarity because lovecraft uh, there's there's so much stuff that's been done that's just completely unsuccessful in my mind or you know the, the only way that they can see how to make something love i mean all the stuff honestly the all the best lovecraftian stuff isn't lovecraft it's lovecraftian mm-hmm. it alludes to <laughs> that style and that feel yeah. but it's not his actual work I think usually people, means somewhere along the line there's a creature with tentacles that's going to come out of some void somewhere and that'll be right expensive. and that's only a handful of the stories really that he's done uh you know that's a difficult that's a that's a difficult mountain to climb for a lot of people uh i just you know i remember when i was younger i was you know everyone was like lovecraft 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 and i'm i first time i tried to read lovecraft i was like like you serious i'm like (laughs) i can't even get a page into this this is so dense i'm like i'm like i can't even figure that it took me it took me 20 or 30 years before i could actually get around to reading it and really digesting it before before you were limber enough to to go in yeah really it's it's not it's lovecraft is not reading for amateurs it's it's you gotta there's a lot there yeah and it's uh, it's Hassan, difficult to adapt. Hassan should be careful with the color out of space because there are a lot of red and purple gel. There are a left, yeah. There is a lot of <laughs> there is a lot of pink and purple going on in that movie for sure. I saw another version of the color from out of space. Um, because, uh, from full disclosure, uh, from, uh, like a decade ago or something. There was another one. I think so. Um, it well, I think it was a little more recent. Um, but it was low budget, very, very low budget. And the story was just wild, way out there, you know. So mm-hmm. um I I'll you know, I'll watch a I'll watch an updated version with a with a more invested uh Nicolas Cage instead of him phoning it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it seemed like he even phoned in uh kick ass, actually. It's kind of like he's just there. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute. Man, is that Nicholas Cage doing a doing his Batman? You know, it's like really weird. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Jeff's right. Cage has been in a strange place for about a decade, about a solid ten years. He's come out of it. He's come out right. Of it. Yeah, right after his uh his uh national treasure adventure. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh so that's man. All right, Jeff. Listen, uh, sorry to keep you up so late. But uh, we will uh, look forward to your return, and uh, I will uh, I will be in touch soon. Um, uh, follow me on Twitter, everyone at Jeff underscore Gomez. Talk soon, please do. <laughs> the best parts are when there are technical failures. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I'm gonna go to sleep. I don't okay, blame you. Night, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, Jeff, take yeah. care. We'll talk to you soon. Talk Thanks, soon, son. Uh, Chrisula sends her love. Oh, same for me. All right, guys.
<laughs> See you later, Jeff. Have a good night, right. Jeff. Thanks to Fesley and Studios for our music, for our opening music. Get your own awesome music at FesleyandStudios.com. Please check out our website at CinemantalPod.com for all of our previous episodes. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can always listen to new episodes at CinemantalPod.com. And of course, you can always follow us on all major social media accounts at CinemantalPod. Special thanks to our guest, Jeff Gomez, and for Hassan Godwin, Lathan Conger III, and myself. We say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and revenge-fueled cult hunter, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. You don't want one of those. Freeze frame! <laughs> <laughs>